the Bavada at Odds podcast. My name is Seth Everett. I'm joined by the head odds maker at Bavada, Patrick Morrow, as we break down the latest odds in all the major sports. NFL week to week as the playoffs are upon us, we'll break down the latest odds plus the futures. It's the Bavada at Odds podcast. Find it wherever you get your podcast. Sports MLB Show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Fedorsky and Bryce Holden. Welcome to episode 142 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show with Bryce Holden. My name is Chase Fedorsky. And Bryce, it seems like I went away for a week, and I'm not going to say that this is the exact reason why, uh, but I went west for a week. And the shit hit the fan and splattered all over Manhattan when it came to Omicron. Chase, correlation does not equal causation. I agree. It's faulty causation. I took statistics class. But I went away. I went away and we were, you know, not going to say we were done with COVID, but it was kind of, you know, in the periphery. It was in the rearview mirror. And then like three days later, my group messages are blowing out. Everyone's getting COVID everyone's in isolation, this and that. And you know what? I hate to blame it on one person, but I will. I'm going to be that guy. I blame COVID in New York on Santa Claus. I, I mean, it's definitely, SantaCon was just a super spreader tip of the iceberg. I mean, at the end of the day, not enough people are listening to this podcast and getting their flu shots and getting vaccinated. Or the booster uh, shots. I know you're getting boosted up tomorrow. So, you know, next week we will have just so much anti-COVID medicine streaming through both of our bodies, but continue. Yeah, I mean, look, just get vaccinated. Get your. This isn't going to go away until enough people are vaccinated. Yeah, we're, we're we're not easy. medical. We're not medical experts, but the hope is. Yes, we people, are. One of us is. If enough people get vaccinated, hopefully this will just turn into the common flu. We're still a little bit ways for that. Um, but yeah, just figure it out, people, man. I mean, we like sports. If nothing else, you know, just do it so we can watch sports. Do it so we can watch sports and attend sporting events. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, fortunately, we do have a little bit of baseball news this week. The last two managerial openings were filled in the past week. One of them was the hands-on BovadaSportsBook.com favorite to get the job. Uh, the other was one of the favorites, but, you know, uh, there were other candidates that were in serious consideration. So we will start with the slam dunk hire, uh, in my opinion, of the whole offseason, and that is after weeks of speculation, the Mets have hired their new manager. According to a tweet from team owner Steve Cohen, Buck Showalter is the newest skipper in Queens. John Heyman reported that Showalter received a three-year contract to manage the team. And while dollar figure isn't known yet, the New York Post's Mike Puma reported that Showalter has received the biggest deal the Mets have ever given to a manager, topping the $9.4 million that manager Art Howe previously received. Um, Showalter- did, did Art Howe... Moneyball, yes. Uh, no, yeah, I know it was the Moneyball, guys. Who am I thinking of? Who am I thinking of, Chase? That was the manager of the Diamondbacks. It's not – I don't believe it was Art Hat. Bob Brenly. Did Art Hat manage the Diamondbacks? The di- Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks. Um, I think you're thinking of Bob Brenly. Is he the one that was hired as manager of the Diamondbacks but never actually managed the Diamondbacks because he got a DUI? Wally, Wally Backman. Backman. Yeah. Don't drink and drive either. A lot of PSAs early. Chase, 
What what minute is this in the podcast? I don't know, but let me give a quick qualifier because uh, to me, you were we were talking about faulty causation. Buck Showalter has never been hit with a DUI. Let's make that abundantly clear. <laughs> yes, I was just thinking of something else, but I think this Buck hiring is the no brainer hire of all hires. Let's give a little backstory here. So since Terry Collins' seven year run as manager of the Mets ended in twenty seventeen. Callaway got fired after two years because he was sexual harasser. Carlos Beltran, that would have been the good comparison to Wally Backman, a former Met uh, who didn't make it in managing. Beltran obviously got hired, and then with the sign-stealing stuff, obviously that didn't happen uh, with Beltran. So Luis Rojas manages the past two years. He went 103 and 119. Uh, this year, the Mets spent 114 days in first place, but then ultimately limped to third place in their division. Um Buck is a known commodity. The other three were first-time MLB managers. And it's interesting. Buck, for as much as we revere Buck as a manager, uh, over the course of 20 seasons and 3,069 games, he only has a 506 winning percentage. uh, But he has taken home manager of the year hardware with three different clubs, the Yankees, Rangers, and Orioles. And I do want to point out, he won it in 94, 2004, and 2014. Uh, So three years from now, we're locking in the Bavada bet. Buck Showalter, manager of the year. 2024 in the Amer- in the National League, uh, lock it in. Um, but again, Buck is a guy who his leadership skills are a reason teams become postseason contenders. You know, 2010 to 2018 with the Orioles, he turned a rebuilding club into one of the American League's winningest teams. Uh, his first year, they won 69 games, but then they saw the team post winning records in the next five seasons. Uh, they made the playoffs three times in that stretch, including as one as a first place team, uh, that 2014 Orioles team, very successful. Uh, and again, it's been, uh, you know, sometimes to show Walter manage one of those very powerhouses. He last managed the Yankees in 95. Uh, now though, he will manage a team with even more resources at his disposal. He's back in New York. He's can handle the New York media. Uh, and yeah, like you said, uh, this to me was a slam dunk hire, you know, the Orioles notwithstanding it's interesting because Buck was in a lot of ways, the guy who got you to the next guy, you know, he managed the Yankees through 95 Tory takes over. He wins the world series. Manages the D-backs the first three years. Brentley takes over 2001. He wins the World Series. Uh, I think he managed the Rangers till about 2007, 2008. Wash takes over, leads them to back-to-back World Series. Um, but Buck, you know, it, it's interesting. Chase, you ended it early. He, he stopped managing the Orioles until 2018. They've been historically awful. Well, that's not necessarily beneficial to, uh, to Buck. Um, but I'll get your take on the hire. And then I want to ask you a few questions on the perception of the hire, because I have some interesting thoughts that I want to run by you. Well, I love it. I think, I think it's great that I can like, you know, it's funny. I live a life with a lot of change in it. You know that I don't really like to stay in one place long, but there's something about sports where you love seeing consistency. I love when Brady keeps winning Super Bowls. I love when Saban keeps winning titles down in Alabama. I like seeing, and you know, more importantly, I like seeing guys who've been around forever finally get their shot at the top. And I think for Buck, this is his last and best shot to win a World Series. And I think he's got everything, he's done everything short of the World Series you can do as a manager. I trust him for a team that has a short window. The Mets do. I think their window lasts as long as Scherzer's an ace, and they can roll out into Grom Scherzer one-two pair at the top of the rotation. So if you want Buck in there for the next three years, if this is a three-year deal, you got three cracks at it, and he's the right guy for it. 
Yeah. So the comparison I wanted to ask you, it's not apples to apples because Buck, so much of the reason that Buck is being hired is because the Mets needed a cultural shift and more so than most managers in the past 20, 25 years. When you think of guys who set the tone in terms of culture, it's Buck Showalter. So many Orioles have spoken out. It's former Orioles have spoken out in support of him over the past couple of days. You know, there was a story, Buck, Buck to the casual baseball fan may be most known for not using Britain in that 2016 wild card game when Zach Britton had a 0.54 yard. Chase, what you're about to say is my favorite I mean, story I heard. Buck at the start of spring training got the whole team together and apologized. He said, I apologize for not using Britain, but he laid out why he didn't use him. Uh, he held himself accountable, which ultimately as a manager is all you can want. Uh, but it's interesting to me because of Buck – Dusty Baker and Larusa. Buck has won by far the least of the three. But interestingly enough to me, you know, of the three oldest older managers in baseball, this one is the most universally regarded hire, in my opinion, of the three. Uh, do you think that has to do with just the Mets' need for a culture shock, or why do you think that is? Um, look, I, I I don't know how many people are willing to take this Mets job for one. You saw how hard it was for them to find a GM. Amazingly difficult, given the resources. It was shockingly difficult. Look, you bring a guy like Buck in the building. I mean, but what is Buck? Buck doesn't Buck hasn't heard anyone. That story about him taking accountability for the wildcard game is the greatest thing I've heard from a leader. What do we we always look for accountability? It's what you want in your leader. And uh, nobody's questioning Buck's ability to manage a baseball game. That would be – that's a ridiculous thing to question. So, look, you got the guy, accountable, culture. He's going to hold – he's going to get the most out of players because those Orioles teams, they kind of came out of nowhere under Bucks, right, if I'm remembering correctly. I, I remember they were bad. Buck, they're <coughs> seemingly overnight they were good. Yeah, I mean, they had a lot of good young players. Like Chris Davis was hit popping home runs. JG Hart, J.J. Hardy, Gold Glove shortstop. Adam Jones, Marquez, Matt Weeders. But again, all those guys I named. Chase, how could you leave them off? Well, I'm leaving them off because it's going to transition into my next point. So don't worry. Um, so, you know, they had a lot of solid players. But again, all those guys, young guys developed and became stars under Buck for the most part. Um, so there's already been chatter that. Adam Jones did not come up with Baltimore. Adam Jones, very easy to forget. was it? No, I know. He came over in the Eric Bedard trade, but he, he came into his own under Buck. As well. I know. Exactly. And Adam Jones, I mean, I know he's not. I mean, Adam Jones is not a Hall of Fame baseball player. But, but for, for that five-year five stretch, he was great. For a five-year stretch, I, you could, I don't think there was anyone I'd want more in center field than that guy. So the guy I didn't bring up deliberately is your boy, Manny Machado. Um, Machado loves Buck. Uh, he has gone on the record saying, even before this, that nobody has meant more to his development as a baseball player than Buck. When Manny Machado came up, Buck held him accountable, you know, helped him really grow into a leader and a professional. Machado can opt out in two years. He'll be 30. Buck will still be in New York if all goes well. Steve Cohen's got a lot of money. Should we pre-order the Machado Mets jersey? Chase, we're Yankees fans. I wouldn't pre-order it, but you might. Send him to the Yanks. Because by that point, judging by this offseason, the Yanks still won't have done anything. But Boone will still be the manager. Uh, you know, it's not crazy. That's not a crazy thing to say because – no, it is a crazy thing to say because I really like the Bob Melvin. I think Bob Melvin's going to be great in San Diego. 
Here's my last question uh, with Buck, and, and I agree with that. I also think, you know, you're playing next to Fernando Tatis for the better part of your contract. So that's also just COVID aside, it has been so cold in New York. Yeah, it was freezing. It was cold. To be fair, though, I was just on the West Coast and it was cold. It was 40 degrees in Las Vegas yesterday. That's no, not San Diego. It was 60 degrees in Los Angeles all week. Not particularly warm. That's um, also not San Diego. My other question. These 60, 60 degrees, that Chase, that you're, you're sounding rather. It's all relative. Rather selfish. Here's my other question with Buck. So say Buck wins that third manager of the year award in 2024. He will have then been, I want to say, the only manager ever to win manager of the year with four different teams. If he wins manager of the year with four different teams but never gets the ring, what does the Buck Showalter Hall of Fame argument look like? Yeah, the argument is best to never win it. I don't even know if that's the case, though, because of Dusty. Jeez. Then there is no argument. Okay. Fair enough. I just, I wanted to get your thought. I think the manager position you're measured, you are legitimately the only statistical metric for managers is wins and losses. I agree. And without the big win, I mean, what, what, what I can you, the only coach in sports I can think of in the hall of fame without a title. Did Marty Schottenheimer get in yet? Oh God, I'm blanking it. The, is it Mark Lee? Whoever the coach of the Bills was, Levy. Uh, Marv Levy. Whoever got the Bills to four Super Bowls in a row. Marv Levy. Also, Jerry Sloan for the Jazz. And I think Don Nelson's in the Hall of Fame. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just poking holes in your argument here. Don't mind me. Um, there's all good points. I'm pretty sure all those guys at least made the finals. That's Don true. Nelson, I don't know. Uh, yes, he did. He coached Gary Payton when they lost to the Bulls. That was George Carl. So I think Don Nelson and George Carl fall under this then, because that's who I was thinking of, George Carl. <laughs> I don't think George Carl's in the Hall of Fame. Is he not? Is he not yet? He should be. I mean, George Carl. Yeah. Let me see. George Carl. Let's see this George Carl research. This is what the people came to see. George Carl's got 11, almost 1,200 wins and a 588 winning percentage. He should be in the Hall of Fame. He also won Coach of the Year and was then five. That's I, that's always weird when dude that happens in sports. But I guess that detracts from the Buckard. I mean, I could think of Carl, Dwayne Casey, and the Raptors. Girardi did it when he was with my aunt, Florida at the time. Won the manager of the year and then lost your job. Freddy Gonzalez also do it with the Braves. Did Freddie Gonzalez win manager of the year? I don't know. He seems like the kind of guy who did, but what the fuck do I know? Um, yeah, look, I think to wrap this in a bow, Buck, from a cultural standpoint, uh, was a great hire. I, I also think for what it's worth, you know, the Mets are in this interesting spot here where, you know, with Sandy Alderson still at the very top, it can't even be like the front office says, oh, you got to do these new school analytics because Buck is just as old as Sandy Alderson. But I do think all that said, Buck will incorporate any statistics that he thinks will help the team win. I don't think he's a stubborn old man like La Russa. He's definitely not. I mean, Tony La Russa is a poster child for stubborn old men. I, 
that's that's who he is. That's his thing. That's his shtick. It used to be Hall of Fame manager. Now it's stubborn old man who doesn't know how to call an Uber. Too soon? Chase, please do not drink and drive. This is our second DUI PSA of the episode. All right, moving to a more positive note. So the other managerial open uh, opening in baseball was in Oakland. And this guy, I would not say was necessarily the Bavada favorite. Uh, in my mind, Joe Espada actually was the Houston Astros best co- bench coach. Uh, but A's fans, they had to have been happy with the news this afternoon that Mark Kotze uh, is the new manager of the Oakland A's. John Heyman reported over the weekend that Oakland was zeroing in on him for the position. Now it is official. Uh, it's the first managerial stint for the 46-year-old who spent the 2021 season as their A's third base coach. Well, he only served in that capacity for one year. He's been on the Oakland staff for a while. Uh, he was a bench coach over – he originally signed on to be bench coach over the 2015-16 and 16 offseason. Uh, two years, he was the bench coach. Then he bounced a quality control coach for a few seasons before taking over his third base coach last season. Now he's in position to oversee a dugout for the first time, taking over for the legendary and revered in Oakland, Bob Melvin. Uh, again, the A's granted the Melvin permission to explore opportunities elsewhere. Three-time manager of the year ended up in San Diego, signed a three-year deal with them in November. Uh, the ninth overall pick in 96 coming out of Cal State Fullerton. Kotze made his big league debut with the Marlins a little bit more than a year after his draft day. He'd appear in the majors for each of the next 16 seasons, continuing his playing career all the way through 2013. He appeared with seven different teams throughout his major league career, including two separate stints in San Diego and four years with the A's. That stretch included a 314, 374, 59 showing his first year with the A's. Uh, that stands out as one of the better seasons of his career. Billy Bean and David Forrest were already in key positions with the A's during this time. Uh, so Kotze's original stint in the organization likely laid the foundation for the key post-playing roles he'd eventually assume. Um, by 2015, he was already mentioned as a possibility to lead the Padres on an interim basis after the firing of Bud Black. Uh, that role eventually went to Pat Murphy. 2019 to 2020 offseason, he interviewed with the Giants, Pirates, Astros, and Red Sox uh, for all of their managerial gigs. And last year, interviewed with the Tigers for the position that eventually went to A.J. Hinge. So all things considered, look, Kotze had to wait for his turn. But this, to me, is the perfect role. You know, a former beloved player, a little bit of experience coaching, but a lot of different roles in the organization. Uh, and for a rebuilding Oakland A's team, I think this is a good fit all around because – they're going to be able to give a first-year manager and Conte some time to get his feet wet and, you know, get the job ready from underneath him. Um, and I think from the fans' perspective, it's going to be brutal the next couple of years, but at least you have a guy you're comfortable and familiar with leading the team. Uh, so all in all, good on the A's. I think this was a good move. Any thought on the Mark Conte hire? I think it's okay. I mean, I it has a lot of upside, and I don't think the A's – it's not a pressure cooker job. If Kata is a complete disaster, it's, you'll give him some time to work through it. And, you know, he always seemed kind of likable. So that's good. I don't think the A's are going to be very – I'm expecting a fire sale when baseball resumes. And I think that's why, you know, you hire an eager first-year manager and it works out well. I think the biggest thing is it's like any first-year manager. Uh, you just got to hire the right coaching staff around him. I mean, I'm sure you will. I don't – again, I – I it's like, hmm. who would the Yankee equivalent to Marcate be? Would it be a guy like Swisher? Does it have to be a guy who's coached before? Like, are you looking for a true one-to-one comparison? Yeah, like I mean, look, I think this is I think this is a, a hire the fans can get behind. That's why I predicted Eric Chavez would get this job. Did you this take Kate? This would be like if we hired Paulie. Oh God. 
I'm all I in. would love that. <laughs> I mean, why don't we do that? There's no way he's worse than Boom. No. Uh, what were you asking about Kate though? Would I take him? Didn't you predict Kate would get the job? Um, maybe. Can't make any promises, but it seems like something I'd predict. It was it was the logic was there. You took when you all looked at the Eric list of logic, but made it better, and you ended up being right. I think the Eric Chavez the logic was similar for both. Yeah, I mean, you know who he kind of reminds me of? You know who you know who he reminds me of a lot? Gabe Kapler. That's a great comparison. I, I think of, and it took Gabe Kapler a while to figure out what to do as, as manager of the team. I, yeah, I, I think I'd loop in Kotze to like the Gabe Kapler, the Dave Roberts. I mean, Dave Roberts obviously has the standout moment in 04 that people remember him by, but, you know, guys who were just good, solid ball players. Rocco Baldelli? Yeah, Baldelli to a lesser extent just because he, you know, had that disease, so he had to retire younger. But just, you know, all these guys who were good veterans in clubhouses for a long time. David Ross. Ross the catcher, though. Catchers are different. You know, never yeah. never stars, but guys who were just beloved in the clubhouse and stuck around and now are managing and leading their own clubhouses. Just I like this Aussie and reading this banter for a while. I get some good ideas going. We're all about ideas. Uh, and speaking of two sides who need ideas, that's a good transition for me. Uh, let's talk about the labor discussions between MLB and the Players Association. Uh, to quote the Counting Crows, it's been a long December. Dude, 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 dude. I, I'm not kidding. You were just I got listening to that song? <laughs> I got my Spotify right here. That song was downloaded by me. <laughs> Eight days ago. I just heard of it. Is this the time that I should tell you that I have full access to your Spotify account? Do you monitor what I'm listening to? Of course not. I literally just have in the notes. The notes say it's been a long December in the baseball world. So if I can, you know, knock out a cheap Counting Crows reference, why not go for it? You're not the only person that would be spying on my Spotify. You know, it's been a long December. Some of us are accidentally in love with Mr. Jones. And, uh, you know, look, days like today, you could really use the rain king because hopefully after rain, you get a little bit of warmth. And if it's raining too hard, you hop in a big yellow taxi and you head on out of the city. Yeah, I was going to take a big yellow taxi to a different podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So anyway, go to the labor discussions. Counting crows be damned. Uh, It looks like Major League Baseball and the Players Association are unlikely to talk core economics until January. People with knowledge of the talk said. The parties have had some communication since the owners started the lockout December 2nd, and a small in-person meeting did occur last week to discuss areas outside of core economic. As we know, there are more than 30 uh, subjects of collective bargaining, and not all of them are as contentious as matters like the competitive balance tax or how many years it takes to get to arbitration. Communication on the big dollar issues remain on hold, though. Uh, The explanation on why depends on who you ask. (coughs) The union sources said that the union hasn't heard from the league on any key economic issues. Um, the union hasn't reached out on those issues either, but Bruce Meyer made clear when the lockout started, the union felt it was incumbent on MLB to issue the next counter proposal. Manfred said that the league did make a proposal that if it had been accepted, would have provided a pretty clear path to making agreement. Uh, but again, the union was adamant that that was not the case. 
Uh, whenever the core economic talks do resume, it is unclear which side will actually wind up making the first set of new proposals. And basically, they're just not in a room right now uh, because people with knowledge of the process said that the sides would just be saying the same things to each other over and over. Uh, and there's little compelling them to change their position at that point. So I will ask you this then, you know, bearing in mind now at a minimum, conversations aren't starting up for a couple of weeks. You know, it's, oh, excuse me, early, mid-January, you know, what, uh, how, how, if at all, do you think this changes the Bavada odds that the season starts on time? I, I mean, have you, look, labor negotiation always gets darker. It, it, if, if it was going to be solved by now, it would have been solved by now. Now they're in the lockup. So now both sides get, they dig their heels up. I, no, hope, I don't think it changes any sort of odds on season starting i think this is just how a normal labor negotiation works excuse me i know you're a doctor and a labor expert i'm just sitting over here taking notes i guess i mean look i am not a doctor because it's illegal to call myself a doctor i can portray myself as a medical expert without facing felonious questions and a labor expert my degree i have a subconcentration in sports law Speaking of which, I was thinking of you the other day. Did you see they awarded the uh, NFL teams the marketing rights to different countries in Europe? Your pitch, yeah, did, I saw your, that. Pitch, your pitch didn't win. Sorry. Well, the Jets didn't do anything, so my pitch is uh, the Jets did get the United Kingdom at large. So I guess you kind of did win. Well, no, because Ireland's not part of the United Kingdom. North Ireland is. Got it. Um, but I would. It's interesting because the Jets had our whole class do that, and not a single class, not a single uh, one of the presentations recommended the United Kingdom. Classic Jets, man. Like, getting like, getting get cheap, getting cheap free labor from college students and not even putting it to use. <laughs> what a, I mean, yeah, I know. <clears throat> mm, I'll, I'll make, I can make a baseball point here. I guess it's the Nets. The Nets pretty clearly have the brightest future in New York. Is there are the Mets second at this point? If we were just you know, power rank New York teams for the, over the next five years, go over the next five years. Yep, off the top of your head, you can ignore hockey because I know that's not your thing. Uh, Nets, Yankees. I guess Knicks. I'm honestly going to go Knicks, Jets, Giants. You skipped the Mets. Oh. Um, put the Mets in the yeah, Put the Mets above the Yankees right now, as much as it pains me to say that. I agree with everything you said, but I'll flip the Giants and the Jets because we're closer to the end of Daniel Jones than they are to the end of Zach Wilson. Yeah, I guess I was thinking the inverse. It's like they at least know they suck and have embraced it, or we just haven't gotten it to that point yet. We keep spending money as if we're a piece away. Sports. For those of you who keep a track at home, we are not a piece away. <laughs> I don't think any of the teams, the Nets are the only. The Mets are probably the Mets. The Mets and Nets might have. It's not inconceivable that the Mets and Nets both win championships here. Should we throw that parlay? What do you think Bavada gives us for that? I don't know. I don't trust Kyrie not giving the team COVID all year. Also, well, I think he's already in protocols. Unless if that's just him trying to re-enter. You but that's know. another thing, you know. Like we have, I, I haven't checked ahead. I don't think this is on the notes. If this Omicron variant is what it 
appears to be and continues this way, let's say baseball does start in early April. What kind of protocols are we looking for? What are the, I mean, I don't think at a certain point we're going to, at minimum, stadiums are going to have to reduce capacity. Yeah, I, I don't know, to be honest with you. I, as a season ticket holder, they haven't updated us yet at all because they have bigger fish to fry is in, you know, there's not a baseball season at the moment, but I don't know. I think it'll look similar to how it did early on this season where season ticket holders get placed in a different section. They alternate which sections are used uh, where you'll be able to attend games, but I think there will be reduced capacity. But and then I think the flip side is, and we've talked about this with the labor disputes, I wonder how much pushback the owners will have just because at the end of the day, because of how many home games baseball has and how reliant on in-game revenue and stadium revenue teams are, you know, they lost more yeah, money than more than other sports. They lost way more money the past two years than any other sports owners uh, between 2020 having no fans in the stands. And then 2021 only having half a season or so, you know, with fans in the stands in most markets. So I don't know. It's a very good question. And it's certainly something to look at in the couple months ahead. Hopefully we don't get to that point, but at this exact moment, it's certainly a possibility. Just some food for thought. Just some food for thought. Um, speaking of the owners, Cleveland could have a new majority owner within the next couple of years. Um, I would say right now, the Bavada odds for David Blitzer to end up the next majority owner of the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, I'm going to say minus one. I'm going to actually say minus 150 in the next 10 years because I think the Dolans want to get rid of it. Uh, but David Blitzer, part owner of the Sixers and the Devils, is nearing a deal to purchase about 35% of the Guardians, according to a report by Sportico. The deal would include a pathway to majority ownership for Blitzer. Uh, Paul Dolan has been looking to sell a minority share in the team since John Sherman put his owner of the team uh, shares in the team in escrow to purchase the Royals in November 2019. The Guardians are worth $1.16 billion. Uh, the Dolans purchased the team in November 99 for an estimated $323 million. And Blitzer, besides owning a minority, minority share in the Sixers and the Devils, also owns share uh, shares of pro soccer teams in the English Premier League and Belgian Jupiler Pro League. Uh, he owns the Scranton-Wilkes-Bear, Rail Riders, and the eSport company um, Dignitis. Uh, he's 52 years old. He's a senior executive of the private equity firm Blackstone Group. Uh, and him and Josh Harris were reportedly interested in buying the Mets before Steve Cohen purchased them. If I'm the Guardians right now, I'm hoping this goes through as soon as possible because this is a guy who has owned sports teams across many different platforms. He's clearly passionate about it. Uh, he has a lot of money. I got friends who work for Blackstone. They do quite well for themselves. Um, clearly, they have interest in the in owning in the baseball field. So all in all, if I'm a Guardians fan, if I hear these this news, I'm pretty stoked if for no reason because there's a pathway to get rid of the Dolan family. Is um, what are the MG? What are the MGK odds? Uh, rumors are he will be the in-stadium DJ if David Blitzer purchases the team. If you've been tracking my Spotify as close as you say you have, you'd know I listen to a lot of Machine Gun Kelly. And Jake and Logan Paul are going to be the mascots for the new rebranded Guardians. They're going all within from Cleveland. Are the the Paul are the Paul brothers from Cleveland? Yes, sir. Doesn't surprise me. Does well, not surprise show, show your work on that one. <laughs> you know, they're outlandish individuals. They sure. they kind of they kind of rose to prominence young age. 
capitalizing on one particular skill, not a, not a broad skill set, I would say, i.e. LeBron, i.e. MGK, kind of harboring, honing in on one niche craft. Then as their celebrity expanded and they hit a, some controversy along the way, they expand into new outlets. Whether it was Machine Gun Kelly doing more, uh, I don't know, he's just doing different music now. LeBron's venturing into politics. And now the Pauls, they're doing uh, some boxing. All right. Clearly you gave this a lot of thought. So I will uh, just nod my head, agree, and say for any of our Cleveland listeners listening, I apologize. Uh, Let's talk about the Tampa Bay Rays in their front office. Uh, The Rays announced Thursday they promoted VP of Baseball Development, Peter Bendix, to the title of GM. Eric Neander, the president of Baseball Ops, is still the team's top-ranking Baseball Ops executive but Bendix's appointment as GM solidifies him as the number two name on the Rays hierarchy. Uh, this promotion comes just three months since the team promoted Neander from GM to president of baseball ops. Uh, the Rays have adopted the president GM hierarchy that continues to be popularized throughout the sport. His promotion to GM makes it more difficult for other clubs to learn him away as teams typically only allow executives to interview with other organizations if the position in question would represent a promotion. So again, the only way they could deprive Bendix from the Rays now would be to offer him the top spot on a team's own baseball hierarchy. Uh, and look, the Rays, I'm glad they're locking these guys up because we've seen the past couple of years. Uh, Chaim Bloom is the new GM of the Red Sox. Jim Click is the new GM of the Astros. Matt Arnold is now the GM of the um, Milwaukee Brewers. Andrew Friedman is now the president of the Dodgers. All these guys, once upon a time, were part of the Rays operation. Uh, so I'm glad they're locking guys up. The reason I bring this up, is not so much because of the promotion itself. Because, look, ultimately, if there's a GM under the president, I don't really pay it that much mind because the president of baseball ops making all the decisions. But how frequently do you think we will see this model across baseball now, knowing that it's probably the best way to keep as many baseball minds in-house as possible because you can't allow another team to interview your GM unless they're hiring them for more money and for a higher position? Like, to me, every team should do this. This is a no-brainer. Yeah, the Yankees had someone good enough under Cashman to do this. The Yankees ever had anyone good enough? Billy Epler. Oh, yeah. They should have done this with Epler. They should have done this with Epler, to be honest with you. You know who Billy Epler, that name reminds me of, and I can't not picture him? Sure. Who? Is Billy Epler the kid from Little Big League? No, that's Billy Haywood. Yankees should hire Billy Haywood. I agree. He's probably, you figure he was, what, 13, and that movie came out in 94. I mean, Billy Haywood's 40. He's right at the age that's appropriate. He's, he's probably older than some of the managers and GMs in baseball nowadays. Yeah, I, You think Billy Haywood is the guy who the Yankees need to bring in to save the offseason? I mean, it's either Billy Haywood or one of us two, and neither of us have been in any movies lately. Here's my other question with this, though. Say you are the VP of scouting for a team. This is just, you know, me storytelling here. Are you likely to take a GM job knowing that you're still going to be under the head of baseball ops? Or do you think that if you were in that situation, you would wait out um, to try to get a higher up position from another team from the get-go? Does that at all make sense? Depends what team. It's like, if you're a GM, you're not on the road all the time. You actually, you don't have to devote as much time as an athlete. You're, you actually more often than not would have like a home life and partner and kids. 
So if you're a scout with the Yankees and you got your whole life set up in New York or, you know, Westchester, or North Jersey, perhaps Stanford, Connecticut, you wouldn't want to leave for, you know, like a, a Tampa Bay, a Tampa Bay GM job where you got to spend time between Tampa and Montreal. No, of course. There's, there's so many logistical questions that go into that question as well. But, yeah, it's just it's interesting. As we see this happen more and more, I think it's food for thought. We're all about food for thought today because it's the offseason. That's the reality when it's the offseason with no offseason. Uh, the Yankees, though, did make a minor league signing. And, again, I, I think nothing of this guy, but they did sign a minor league deal with Ender Inciarte, uh, former multiple glove glove center fielder, was traded for the from the D-backs to the Braves in the infamous Shelby Miller, Dansby Swanson trade. I mean, NCR day since 2018, I said 223, 306, 338 through 450 uh, appearances at the MLB level. But the reason I bring this up, he is only, let me get an age check on him real quick. I think he's like 32. So under NCR day, he's only 31 years old. I would imagine he could still play a pretty strong defense. My question for you is, do you think NCR day signing a minor league deal meet with the Yankees and knowing Aaron Hicks is back might finally mean the end? A Brett Gardner in pinstripes? I mean, I think the Gardner thing's come to an end. Uh, I just think it's time to move on. Yeah, I, he's he's been great. And I, I would rather Gardner – I would rather Gardner manage the team. That's the kind of guy I'd like to see. I'd like to see Gardner in a coaching position for this Yankees team. Did we hire a first base coach yet? I don't want a coach in first. I want him. I want him as the bench coach with a three-year deal, knowing that he's over Boone's shoulder. Don't hate that. I really don't hate look, that. Who's been when you think of these past these Boone era Yankee teams? Yeah, Judge is the best player. But who's been the emotional leader? Who has been the guy? Who's the guy beating himself up in the dugout? Who's the guy beating the dugout up? Who's this lunatic in the dugout? I think the problem is, as much as I love him, um, I think you just described, in essence, what the biggest problem is with this Yankee team. I thought it was we don't have enough lunatics. Well, I, I think that's part of it, but I think the fact that you're pointing at Brett Gardner as the emotional and spiritual leader of the team says a lot about the Yankees, as much as I love Gardner. Well, here's what I would think about anyone who's – theory is not hire Gardner because he's too much of a lunatic. And I'll use myself as an example. When we were at camp and we were campers, I was very, very, very poorly behaved. Yes. But when I I became a counselor, I was able to be really good at it because on my scale, I always thought no camper can behave worse than I did. So anytime they cross the line, they could go up to what I would do as a kid, and that would be fine because I could deal with it. So they had a super long leash. But as soon as they crossed over, I snapped, end of problem. I think Gardner would be the same way. Interesting analysis. Okay. Brett Gardner, we are in uh, C Arte signing a minor league deal, man. We're putting you on the coaching staff. So get your sneakers ready. We would love to have you out there. Um, because there's no baseball, we're going to end every show with some just banter about, you know, different rankings, different articles I see throughout the week. Got a couple this week. 
Uh, last week, we talked about the MLB road trip. This week, we're going to talk about draft picks, the best pitches this year, and the ranking of every Hall of Fame class ever. Um, so Eno Saris wrote this whole article for The Athletic, and it's measuring the best pitch um, based on the physical properties of the pitches. So the movement, the spin, and the velocity that produces the best stuff and ranking the pitches by those aspects. Uh, Stuff Plus does this. So we will go pitch by pitch. They have the favorite based on just what was the best pitch and then bulk. Um, The definition here for bulk was the guy in the top 10 with the most pitches. And as we go pitch by pitch, I will ask you what you think the Bavada favorite was at each pitch. So let's start with the four-seam fastball. Um, Best four-seam fastball by Stuff Plus and the best bulk four-seam fastball. Hmm. Hater. He's your he's your pick for individual bulk or both. Ooh. Give me hater for bulk, Chapman for individual. Individual was Paul Seawald of the Mariners. That was my next guess. And bulk was a guy near and dear to our heart, Garrett Cole. Hmm. Spider Tack accusers be damned. Do you know what pitcher had the most ride on his fastball? Well, I'm going to guess Hater again. Chad Green. Hmm. All right. Not All right, Sinker. Uh, who has the best bulk? Who's the bulk winner? And who is the individual winner? <laughs> Crapshoot, I know. I mean, I know we already brought him up once today. Eric Bedard? Aaron <laughs> Aaron Sinker's a tough one because nobody throws it. Aaron Simber is the individual. And the bulk winner uh, is one of our least favorite pitchers, uh, Sonny Gray. Ooh. I would have gone with Eric Bedard. All right. What about the cutter? This should be a no-brainer. It's one and the same. I, I am completely blanking. Boo Earns. Yeah, that makes sense. Corbin, Burns, gone Mariano. Corbin Burns ran uh, – you know who was second, though, surprisingly, for the most appearances with the best cutters? Brian Shaw. I didn't even know he was still pitching in baseball. Yeah, Brian Shaw, I'm pretty sure, lost. I, I didn't like Francona's management. I guess we could do that. We could talk about game sevens one day because I really didn't like Francona's bullpen use in that game seven. Or just worst uh, managerial decisions. Uh, slider, who you got? Oh man, who's that guy with the nasty slider? It's actually a surprise. <sighs> if it's a surprise, then I'm gonna have to go completely random with my guess meter. Fromber, Fromber Valdez, Aaron Bummer had the best stuff. Uh, and the bulk winner, Mr. No Hitter, Joe Musgrove. Good for your Musgrove. All right, curve, curveball. I- I know we're gonna we're gonna talk about nonsense, but I want this Padres point to be made. Are people sleeping on the Padres going into next year again? Hundred percent. Because don't forget, they also get Clevenger back. You get Clevenger back. They get a. You get Clevenger, Musgrove, Darvish, and Snell with Chris Paddock rounding it out, and Paddock's fine as a five starter. Paddock was projected to be there too. You're gonna get Denelson, Lamette, hopefully healthy. Almost won the Cy Young. And Tatis and Machado. And they signed that guy, Nick Martinez, from Korea. Not official yet, but. And they still got, they got guys. They got Cronworth. Do they still have Cronworth? They yeah. 
No, I trade Adam Frazier. Cronenworth's a stud. You got, I mean, they got guys on that team. I just kind of like, and they got the, and they, I like Melvin. All right. Curveball. Best curveball by Stuff Plus and the bulk winner. Kershaw. Kershaw's actually not on the list at all. Mm, it's a bad list, then. Stuff, best stuff, glass now. And the not pitch yet. And the only two veterans to appear uh, with a thousand plus put, put pitches Ooh. on the list. Um, Wayno. Wayno was second to Uncle Charlie Morton. Two guys who've made a very long career out of throwing the curveball. All right, change ups. Uh, change ups and splitter. This was one and the same. So that should maybe be a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh, boy. And you're saying it's not Eric Bedard? Still not Eric Bedard, unfortunately. And it's also not it's also not former Mariner Hashashi Iwakuma. Is it former Mariner Felix Hernandez? No, sadly not. The bulk went the stuff winner is a guy we saw throw it a lot. Sometimes we were very frustrated when he threw it in fact. Britain? Rolled as Chapman. He should only be throwing fastballs. And the bulk winner was the airbender, Devin Williams. I read an interesting piece on Chris Bryant this week from, I think it was ESPN. They want him in Milwaukee. He would be a really good fit for them. I just don't know if they'll pay. Chris Bryant, it's interesting. I was talking with my buddy over the weekend, Matt, who's a Giants fan, and it's just – it's amazing that there was such a big deal made over his free agency getting delayed, and now it's not inconceivable that he's even going to get $100 million or that he won't get $100 million. That's an interesting one. He's just become a really solid ball player, but I think people just He's worth a hundred million because you could put him anywhere. I I wouldn't like it, but just knowing you have that flexibility. No, if you give Chris Bryant six for a hundred, I don't think that's terrible at all. Six for a hundred. I think he's gonna end up in Philly. But I think you know, people still hold him whether it's fair or not to that standard. You know, those first two years were historically good. He won rookie of the year and then won MVP and led the breaking of the most famous curse in sports history. I think baseball. Ooh, Chase, write that on a to-do list for future uh, for future podcasts. We should make a new curse. We could put some ju- bad juju and hexes into the world. Well, who's our? I mean, I feel like Cleveland's kind of cursed, but they might win it. Are people sleeping on Cleveland because they changed their name? Maybe they'll be like a Tampa Bay thing where they shake the bad name, get a good name, World Series. Bieber's healthy. Jose Ramirez finally wins an MVP. Not inconceivable. Wow, I like that. Jose Ramirez. Okay, Jose Ramirez MVP. Not certainly not inconceivable. Uh, All that dude does is hit, and he steals bases. And I mean, he really is just. <laughs> yeah, nah. Jose's been. You know, I've done this podcast in my dad's office quite a bit. We're talking about the Guardians. What player's Indians bobblehead do you think I'm staring at right now? I've never noticed it. Can, is it 90s, Eric? Uh, 2000s to 2010s. Very good hitter. Sizemore? Victor Martinez. V-Mart. V-Mart almost won, him, won himself an MVP. MVP runner-up one year. Uh, speaking of guys who have some records and some hardware to their name, the next list we're going to go through – some of them are easy, uh, you know, Bavada favorites, depending on the team. Others, there's some deep surprises, some long shots of the greatest draft pick in each club's history. So I'll go team by team, 
Uh, and I'll see how many you can guess. A lot of them make sense, though. Uh, so let's start with the Blue Jays. AL East, Blue Jays. What am I guessing? Best draft pick? Yeah, this is by, I think it's by war, I'm assuming, but I'm not 100% sure. The best? best Vernon group. Wells. Incorrect. That's about. Um, there is, this is the objectively right answer. Oh, is it Roy Halladay? Roy Holiday, Orioles. And again, the draft didn't start until the late 60s, so remember that. Orioles. Ripken. Rays. Longo? There you go. Red Sox. Pedroia. Mookie? Clemens. The Rocket. He won three, three Cy Youngs with them, so. Can't really argue too much. Yankees. Uh, God, Jeter? Jeter. What shortstop drafted by the Guardians is number one for them based on this list? It's not Francisco, is it? Nope, he was drafted as a shortstop. Oh, that means it's not a shortstop. Definitely not a shortstop. <laughs> Eeny, meeny, miny, Manny Ramirez. Jim Tomei. I was going to guess Jim Tomei. I uh, Royals, this guy was also drafted as a shortstop, but didn't stick there. George Brett. Um, I'll give you hints too. Tigers. Uh, Tigers, his, his double play partner was recently inducted into the Hall of Fame. A lot of people think he should be as well. Okay, so Trammell's one of them. And his buddy is Lou Whitaker. Sweet Lou Whitaker. Uh, twins. His nickname was the Flying Dutchman. Y11? White Sox. Um, has a commercial for a product that I really struggle to believe he uses. If he's, I mean, I said this the other day. If Frank Thomas needs uh, Nugenics, we're fucked. <laughs> I'm sorry. Th- should we just, maybe, could that be one of our fun offseason ideas? Just like load up on Nugenics for a week? <laughs> just keep a diary and read the diary live on the podcast. Well, I was able to bench 400 today. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Angels. <laughs> it's an already trout. Already trout. Astros, I don't know if I agree with this one, but uh, I'll give it to them. Altuve? No. Is it one of the Bs? It's which B do you think they chose? I would have chosen the other B. I mean, I would say Biggio probably had the best career. Interesting. I would go Bagwell, but they said Biggio. Okay. O- Oakland Athletics. Oakland Athletics. He liked to run. Is it Ricky? The Mariners. Oh, I almost said, oh. I, yeah, I don't know if I necessarily agree with this either. I mean, is it, is it, how could it not be Griffey? They said A-Rod. I would say Griffey. Yeah, it's Griffey. I think they're going strictly based on career war for this list. With the team that drafted them or? No, I don't think so. Okay. I'm still going Griffey. Rangers. Hmm. One of my least favorite Yankees ever. You don't like Javi Vasquez. You're not too far off, though, with that. Kevin Brown? Kevin Brown. Braves. Chipper? Chipper. So the Marlins, I'm going to preface this by saying, I guess Miggy didn't get drafted by the Marlins. Dan Ugga. No. This guy actually had a really good career. Like, he's a guy that when he appears – I wonder if he's been on the ballot yet, actually. 
It can't be Dan Ugla. No. Beckett? No. This is a guy when he's on the ballot will not get any Hall of Fame love, but you and I will look and say, you know what? This guy was a really good hitter for a while. Hmm. Jorge Cantu? Adrian Gonzalez. I I did know he was on the Marlins. And he was a very good hitter for a while. That's interesting. All right, Mets, the answer is Tom Seaver. They did not say Tom Seaver, so they said. Nolan Ryan, was he drafted by the Mets? Yep, Nationals, Expos. Big, ugly lefty. Oh, big, ugly lefty. Um, The biggest. Eli Hernstadt. The biggest and the ugliest, even bigger than him. It's bigger and uglier than that guy? Who could it be? Who could it be? Uh, oh, a pitcher? Pitcher. Yeah, that doesn't help me. Randy Johnson. What? Chase, it's the big unit. Not the big ugly. Phillies. You're saying the draft started in the 1960s? Yeah. So it's not Ed Delante? No, don't overthink it. Best third Schmidt. baseman of all. Oh, it's Schmidt. It's Schmidt, yeah. Quick aside from people who are really tall. Did I tell you I'm pretty sure Bull Bull bought a Cinnabon next to me in the airport yesterday? You would know if it was Bull Bull. I'm fairly certain it was Bull Bull. This man was seven two. It would have been a fun. Uh, it would have been a fun selfie. <laughs> yeah, it would be me in his waist. Uh, National League Ooh, Central. Not as fun a selfie. <laughs> National League Central Brewers. Is it's Yount maybe? Cardinals. Is it well? It's not the machine. It's Albert. It is the third baseman. Sorry, I haven't been looking if there was any fun positions. Mike Schmidt also got drafted as a shortstop. Uh, a lot of good third basemen, I guess, started at shortstop. I Cubs. think it's easier on your knees to play third. Cubs. Joey Gallo took his daughter to prom. Joey Gallo went to the prom. That's one more thing he has over me. Ernie <laughs> <laughs> Banks. Uh, Greg Maddox. That was really sad. Um, Pirates. Yeah. The goat. Cartoon? No, the goat. Clemente? No. I'm putting a needle in my arm right now. Oh. Bonzi. Reds. Is it one of the big red machine guys? Yep. Is it Bench? That is correct. Diamondbacks. uh, Current player. I also, hot take, I think Johnny Bench, I guess Willie Mays is still alive. I think Johnny Bench Bench is the second best living baseball player of all time. Where do you rank? I mean, do you include Bonds and Clemens there? I include people, when I say, I include people who did not play while I was alive. Everybody who played while I was alive is. I mean, I was going to say, you could definitely make the argument for Maddox and Smoltz as well. I just think Bench, any one of our grandparents could talk for hours on end about Johnny Bench. Isn't Yaz still alive? I'd rather Johnny Bench. Okay. Johnny Bench. There's a funny picture of Johnny Bench with like eight. He can hold eight baseballs in his hand. That's a lot of – that's big hands. You know what they say about big hands, big glove. All right. I got so many gold gloves. All right, last five teams. D-backs, current pitcher. Current pitcher. Ooh. Hmm. 
Scherzer. Dodgers. Kershaw? Giants, I would say Buster Posey, but they did not. They didn't say Buster Posey. Then they probably – they go before Posey? Well before. McCovey? Um, After. I don't think McCovey was drafted. Meet in the middle, Willie McGee. Will the Thrill Clark. You got the wheat, Will, right? Last two, San Diego Padres, the Wizard of? Oz. E. Smith. And the Rockies. This one could be interesting. It's probably Helton. It's still Helton over Arenado, I would say. I would have. I was thinking Tulo. No, not that far. Uh, and here's the last ranking we're going to discuss, and then we will wrap up this week. Every Hall of Fame class ranked by Baseball Reference War. So I actually have not read this list yet. Um, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say – There was that- a class recently, that, and you got to think. The first class had five guys. So number one is going to be the best. 1936. I mean, it was Babe Ruth, Ty Cobb, Christy Matthewson, Walter Johnson, and Honus Wagner. So five of the greatest ever. So you knew they were going to be one. Uh, my question is, let's put our heads together for what we think the next highest, what the Bavada favorite would be for the next highest on the list. Um, and then we'll also look at the worst. So I'm actually going to say the next highest, you know, it's hard because at a certain point, it's how many guys get inducted, but 99, I think, had... Yeah, is that the Nolan Ryan one? Yeah, Nolan Ryan, George Brett, and Orlando Cepeda. That but was number 10. But didn't Maddox, Glavin, and Randy Johnson go in together? No. It was... Or with Pedro? Like, there's some of those it was recent Pedro, Ran- It was There was Maddox, Glavin, and the Big Hurt. Those three went in together. All right, here's our list. Next year, there was Smoltz, Johnson, Pedro, and maybe Tommy. Should we start with the best or the worst? And then there was a year with Edgar, Messina, Mariano, and someone else. Reigns. So, yeah, let's do the best first. I kind of want to do the worst first. So 50, okay. 50, 58, 60, and 2021 are the worst because they didn't induct anybody. Uh, the class of 2008 is 79th. That just uh, Gossage? Just Gossage. The class of 2013, we'll do the bottom five. 46 war. That was just Deacon White. 88. Yeah, okay. 88 was just Willie Stargell. 59 was Zach Wheat. It's good, good for Zach Wheat. 2010 was Andre Dawson. So that's the bottom five. And now we will do top five? That's what we said. All right. So number one was the initial class. Number we crushed two. it. Number two, uh, that had 737 war, so that's an average of one. You know this, Chase. 147 and a half a person. Attaboy. That's fucking ridiculous. Class of 39, 565 was next. Lou Gehrig, Old Haas, Radborn, Cap Anson, Buck Ewing, George Sisler, Eddie Collins, and Wee Willie Keeler. Still number two. All right, I'm, I'm actually going to – so three was 46. Four, we'll give some love to 1945 because Ed Delahanty is in it. But those, I mean, 30, 46 was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 guys. And then 45 was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine guys. So I'm going to skip to number five because um, this is pretty remarkable. They had a 405 war class with only three inductees Cy Young, Tris Speaker, and Nat LaJoey. I think it's Nat LaJoey. Uh, whatever. I appreciate you correcting me. Uh, I'm looking for. I'm one. not doing it for you. I'm doing it for the LaJoy family. 
what do you think? Okay, so interesting. So th- those two classes we talked about for the modern classes, 2008 is eight with 360. Um, I forgot about more. No, Chase, you misread something. because 2018. Said something. 2018. Okay. Um, and that was Chipper, Vlad, Tomei, Hoffman, Morris, and Alan Trammell. 2019 was nine. Uh, Roy Holiday, Edgar, Lee Smith, Moe, Moose, and Harold Baines. Oh, they get the Lee Smith and Baines thing. That's... But you know, but that's an interesting class, though, because none of those guys had crazy high wars. Like, I, I guess Moose was in the 80s, but. Um, Moose was good for a long time. 2015 was 11. Pedro, Randy Johnson, Smoltz, Biggio. Uh, interesting. So 99 was actually behind. So 99 had four inductees and was actually behind 91, which also had four inductees. Uh, 99 had five, and it had Nolan Ryan, Brett Youts, Peta, Smokey Joe Williams, and that was below 91. Uh, Rod Carew, Gaylord Perry, Fergie Jenkins, and Tony Lazari. Carew, Perry, and Jenkins all had 80 to 90 war apiece. So uh, that'll certainly do it there. Um, I guess before we wrap up this list, any years that you would like me to look up before we wrap up this week's show? Yeah, who got in with Mantle? Let me do the old control F. That's the 21st ranked class, class of 74, 279 war. Mantle, Whitey, Jim Bottomley, Sam Thompson, and Cool Papa Bell. Interesting class. Don't know who most of those guys are. Yeah, you know what? That's an interesting way to look at this. Let's just go to, like, who had the biggest wars and see where they rank on the list. So, like, let's see where, like, the Willie Mays class is. Willie Mays. And just see the Johnny Bench class too, because I call him the greatest ever. Maze is Maze is at thirty nine. Him and Hack Wilson uh, combined for one hundred ninety five WAR. Uh, well, let me just go before I go to Johnny Bench. Let me then, if I looked up Maze, look up Hank Aaron. Aaron was eighteen. Wow, Aaron and Frank Robinson's elite. That's a two person class. And Travis Jackson. Boy, I I like Travis Jackson, but man, that is you don't want to be going in. And like, no one's there for you, man. Sorry to say. Bench was 89, um, ranked 32, 1989, 216 more. Red Schoendice, a bench, and Carl Yastrzemski. Yaz got 94. It's pretty crazy that he got 94.6% of the vote and didn't get the most votes on his own ballot. Speaks to Johnny Bench. I mean, what was Johnny Bench's vote percentage? 96.4. Who's not voting for Johnny Bench? Let's look up. Let's look up the last two guys I want to look up. Let's look up Stan Musial. Musuals was at uh, 19, and that was him, Roy Campanella, Stan Kowalski, and Wait Hoyt. Uh, and the last guy we will look up is – let's look up Seaver because he, for the longest time, held the record. He is 37th, class of 92, 198 war, Seaver, Raleigh Fingers, and Hound Newhauser. You ever go through these lists and just see, like, who got inducted with who or, or like, how, it took certain, how long it took certain guys? It's really interesting to me. I have not, but now I'm going to. I'm like, I'm just floored. Chase, 14 All-Stars, two-time World Series champ, two-time MVP, <laughs> World Series MVP, bless you, Rookie of the Thank Year, you. 10 gold gloves, two-home run leader, two-time home run leader, three-time RBI leader. Dude, the writers, I, I mean, a great example is, oh, I got to sneeze again. Excuse me. I don't want it to go on. <laughs> I'm just sneezing during the podcast. Fergie Jenkins took three tries to get in. And even the third try got 75.4%. Even if you took war out of the equation, because obviously that wasn't a thing. 284 wins, 334 ERA, had 3,000 strikeouts, 4,500 innings, 
won a Cy Young, three-time All-Star, and won 20 games, two, four. He won 20 games six years in a row and seven times overall. How did it take him three tries? Racist writers. I think maybe Fergie Jenkins like was smoking pot back in the day too, but there's so many guys where like when I look at the ballot, it's just it's crazy how long it took him. Uh, you know what we haven't done yet? <clears throat> we haven't actually gone through any surprises from the early Hall of Fame returns, Chase. Let's, uh, you pull up Mr. Thibodeau's tracker. Uh, I got a few tweets of the week real quick. I haven't had some in a little bit. Um, here's my first one. You remember when Mookie Betts made sure that rookie on the Reds, TJ Friedel, got his first home run ball? Yep. So Friedel is John Calipari's cousin, and Mookie spoke to the game after uh, spoke to the team after the game on Saturday. I thought that was cool. That is cool. It was one of the worst basketball games I've ever seen in person, though. Well, you were there. I was terrible. Kentucky won by 40. Um, here's a fun one. So Ron Guidry, we, you know, you and I both know Guidry 78 season, one of the best of any pitcher ever. It was 25 and three with a 174 ERA. For whatever reason, that season he struggled on days when he opposed a starting pitcher with the name Mike. Against non-Mikes that year, Guidry was 22 and 0 with a 146 ERA. Against Mike's. Three and three, three, four, six. That to me is a very fun, quirky baseball fact. Who knew? Other two facts. Uh, Buck Showalter, fifth manager to manage the Yankees and the Mets, joining Casey Stangle, Yogi Berra, Dallas Green, and Joe Torre. And my last fun fact is, uh, do you remember the movie Million Dollar Arm with John Hamm? I know of it. I never watched it. So the kid who was the premise of that movie, Riku Singh, uh, he was one of the prospects from India who the Pirates signed to come over. Uh, he is now a pro wrestler named Veena Mahan in the WWE. Me. Just, you know, a random quirk. What's tip Mr. Thibodeau got for us, though? All righty. I would do a high level. At through 45 votes. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens at 35, so they're at 78%. David Ortiz is at 37 votes, so he is at 82%. Those are the only three currently above the 75% mark. Uh, notable gains and losses. Kurt Schilling is down five votes from la- amongst returning voters from last year. Omar Vizquel is down 13 votes. Omar Vizquel lost 13 votes from last year. Uh, and the big winners thus far, I guess Scott Rowland swung three people. Scotty and Billy Wagner swung four. Wagner and Roland, two guys whose camp I'm fully in, but we'll see. You know, A-Rod we got, is at 47% through the first 45 ballots. I think after the new year, a lot of guys will start to reveal their ballots as we get closer to the end of January. So something to keep track of there. And thank you to Ryan Thibodeau at not Mr. Tibbs on Twitter for doing that for us year after year. That's all I got for this week's show. Any concluding thoughts on your end? Just Stay safe, get vaccinated, get your flu shot, get boosters if you can. It's not going away unless everyone gets their shit. Normally I have something sports to talk about, but sports are canceled for the most part. Sad. Uh, So I'm just going to end on a positive note. Have a safe and healthy Christmas for those celebrating. Uh, For all the Jews out there like myself, enjoy your Chinese food and your movies on Christmas Day. A lot of good stuff to see. Uh, And really, you know, take this time to just enjoy being with the loved ones in your life. That's all. I have no ulterior motive other than, you know, just enjoy the holidays, have some fun, open up some presents, eat some good food. 
And we will be here same time, same place next week. What we're going to talk about, I have no idea. So any suggestions, give me and Bryce a text. We will appreciate it. With Bryce Holden, my name is Chase Medorsky. This is the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. Have a great holiday.